Good morning, church. What a fun time we had last night together. And I just, uh, I was thinking afterwards last night, uh, don't know if I've laughed that hard in a long time. And then I thought, you know, we need to do that more often. You know, we need to laugh together and, and have fun together. Uh, we had fun with Ryan and his friends. And uh, I'm always amazed at the ventriloquists, the talent, the gifts that it takes to do that. I can't even imagine, uh, you know, I can't even imagine doing that. And uh, so it was very cool to see. Some of us got roasted pretty good <laughs> last night. And uh, it was all in good fun. And I think for the most part, it was taken in good spirits. And uh, just, I wanted to say thank you to the Community Life Commission here at church who put all that together and organized it. And it was just a wonderful evening. The, from the hors d'oeuvres to the meal to the entertainment, everything just, uh, it was really good. So thank you to all those who had a part in making that happen last night. Well, as we've heard already, today is Pentecost Sunday. And it is the Sunday each year that we celebrate the sending of the Holy Spirit, which we heard uh, read from Acts 2 a little bit ago. Last Sunday uh, was going to be our last Sunday in the book of 1 John. And uh, then our flight got canceled at 9 p.m. last Saturday night. And uh, we had to scramble from the airport and make some calls and so on. And I appreciate all those who, who did something that made things happen here last Sunday. And my friend, uh, retired pastor Dennis Hanner, who came at the last minute there to uh, bring the message last Sunday. And so thanks to him as well. And he talked about the Holy Spirit last Sunday. I did watch it. So um, anyway, I plan to follow up this morning since it's Pentecost with that same message this morning, but we're going to relate it some to the book of 1 John and the last two chapters, which we did not finish up and which we're going to cover this morning. So if you want to turn in your Bibles this morning to 1 John uh, chapters 4 and 5, as you see in your bulletin this morning, this is Rhonda and I's uh, last Sunday with you before our sabbatical begins this week. And so um, we'll take some time later on to, to just share a little bit more uh, about that. Um, but we've been talking about, uh, or we've been taking about a chapter a week from 1 John. It's not that long of a book, but we've been doing one chapter a week. And uh, today we're going to try to cover both of these chapters to, to wrap it up. And in the past weeks, we've talked about several different things. Um, in these last two chapters, though, John is encouraging believers with three main things. And those three things are this. The love that we are to have for God and for each other, which we heard uh, read earlier from chapter 4. The confidence that we have in God and in our faith, or can have. And then the third one is the assurance of our salvation. And so I'm going to be reading from chapter 5 actually this morning. Uh, I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 5 and then 18 through 20. Uh, since it's a little bit longer of a chapter, we won't read the whole thing. But I will be referring to uh, some of the other verses throughout the message this morning. So beginning with verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. 
And everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And then skipping down to the last verses, verses 18 to the end of the chapter. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And the final verse is, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. <clears throat> Perhaps no uh, maritime disaster stirs our collective interest or memory more than the sinking of the RMS Titanic, which happened on April 15, 1912. Books have been written, movies have been made, and the discovery of the ship at the bottom of the sea in the 1980s brought about many new and intriguing artifacts that, uh, from that disaster. When the Titanic set sail from Southampton, England to New York City on April 10, 1912, no one, especially the ones who built it, dreamed of its demise. In fact, the ship's owners, the White Star Line, boasted of the size and the, the stamina of the largest passenger ship, steamship, built until that time. In fact, the vice president of the company said this. He said, we place absolute confidence in the Titanic. We believe that the boat is unsinkable. Well, we all know now that it did sink. Less than three hours after the crew spotted an iceberg at 11.40 p.m. on April 14th. And the tragedy of that whole thing is that of the 2,223 people who were on board, 1,517 perished that night. The Titanic is one of many examples of how someone's utmost confidence in a physical ship or other physical things in this world really cannot be 100% sure. But there is a confidence that we can put 100% of our faith in. And confidence is what John is stressing here in, in these verses this morning. Spiritual confidence. 
The churches that John was writing to during this time, we've talked about this in past weeks, they had undergone several years or many years of false teachers in their midst. Uh, there was disharmony and there were other, many other challenges that were eroding their faith and um, their confidence. And so John, he is trying to help restore it and build it up. And, you know, it's not an uncommon thing today either if you watch the news or think about it. In fact, you know, this church and other churches have all, many of them, gone through periods where uh, the road was not very smooth and the way did not seem very clear. And, you know, when we go through those times in the church or in our personal lives or families even, it's easy to become discouraged. We get down on ourselves, sometimes we get down on others, and sometimes we even wonder if God is really there as we go through it all. Is God listening? Is God really tuned in to what's going on here? That's when we need scriptures like this. Because John, here in these two chapters, he uses words like overcome. He uses the word victory. And he uses that phrase, we know, several times there at the end of chapter 5. And he restores our confidence in what Jesus came to do for us. In the midst of all the other things circling about us and swirling around us. So often in life, I think, you know, we need to step back from some things maybe. And... And we just need to change our perspective on them. When our confidence is, is down, when our confidence is shaken, we need to look at the things that Jesus has done for us and the presence of the Holy Spirit, which we are celebrating and remembering today. We need to think about those things in our lives and, and just pause and say, Wow, I can do this. I can get through this because God is going to help me. Jesus is going to be by my side and the Holy Spirit is going to surround me and support me in whatever may come. Now, often, of course, that means that we have to cast off what Satan and the powers of this dark world that we've also talked about in the past weeks uh, want us to believe or the way that they want us to see things that are happening in our life. We have to cast that off and we have to see things in the way that Jesus sees them. As well as allowing the, the Holy Spirit to guide us and to give us wisdom and to give us direction with whatever it may be that comes at us or in our lives. One of the one of the most famous verses that we, that we know is from what Paul said in Philippians 4.13 when he, when he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Uh, William Barclay said it well one time, quote, that quote is on the screen. He said, endurance is not just the ability to bear a hard thing, but to turn it into glory. Think about that quote for a little bit. Not only to bear it, 
but to think about how can I turn this into glory or into something good and positive as I move ahead. It's like uh, the seven-year-old boy who went out in his backyard, picked up a baseball bat and, and three baseballs. I think I've shared this illustration before, but I love it. <laughs> um, before he started, he said, boy, he said, I am a great hitter. And so he tosses the first ball up and he swings and whew, he whiffs, strike one. He takes that second ball, he throws it up, he swings at it, he whiffs again, strike two. Finally, he picks up the third ball. He throws it up, and he swings really hard for the third time. Strike three. He looks around, and you see if anyone was watching him. And then he says to himself, boy, am I a great pitcher. <laughs> In verses four and five of this uh, chapter, uh, of this fifth chapter, we are reminded that, that we as believers in Jesus Christ, we are overcomers. We have a victory that has already been won. It says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? It says, only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. If you believe in God, in Jesus Christ, His Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you have everything you need to be confident in this life and in your eternal life when this life is over. We see that confidence, I think, in the, the first disciples. Uh, you know, after the Holy Spirit was sent there in, in Acts 2, the disciples go out and, man, they were bold. They were confident. They did not hold back anything when it came, when it came to sharing the good news with other people and telling them what Jesus has done and how he could change their life. And so, you know, what John is also saying here is that that we don't need to face death with those doubts that the world tries to deceive us with. He says, if we believe in Jesus as God's son, then not only do we overcome the world, but we gain eternal life with him in heaven. And, and yet, you know, way too often, Christians don't live that way. We let some of those attacks that, that we talked about in chapter 2 invade and overcome us, invade our minds and overcome us with things like doubt and fear and, and feelings that we are unworthy or, or what's going to happen when this life on earth is over. In verse 10 of chapter 5, it says that we have this testimony of victory in our heart. And we need to live and work and play with a humble confidence that everything is going to be okay. It's going to be okay because Christ said that he would never leave us and he would never forsake us. I'm not sure what kinds of, of fear or, or doubts or unworthiness are here this morning among us. 
But God's word says you don't need to believe it. Because God has promised that you as his child, you are an overcomer. You have an unshakable faith, an unsinkable faith that will see you through the most difficult day and the toughest challenges that you might face in this life. You need to take hold of it and hold on to it and never let go of it. Back in the 1930s, uh, during the construction of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, the engineers used a very large net under the bridge as, they, as it was being built in order to save lives of those who were working on it as they were working. And they estimated that um, the work proceeded at 25% greater efficiency simply because of that net being there. Having the net under them didn't make them more careless. It made them more confident. And in the end, that led to being more efficient. They could work, you see, with the assurance that they were going to be okay. You see, we, we must have confidence in our salvation. And we must put that confidence to work in our daily lives. And we can live that way because we have a constant safety net in our faith and in our salvation of Jesus Christ. One of the things that, that John has spoken of over and over in these five chapters is the effects of, of sin and the assurance that we have of the forgiveness of those sins. His encouragement over and over is that we are to be delivered from sin through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so when, you know, when we talk about confidence, it means that we can be sure that our sins are forgiven once we have repented of them to God. And so if you are still letting a sin from years ago affect your everyday life now, it's time to move past that. If you have repented of it and if you have asked God to forgive you, Jesus to forgive you of it. God forgot about it a long time ago. And he wants you to have that confidence that it is no longer hanging over your head. What John is saying here is that we need to be aware, though, of temptation and sin in our world. We have to be aware of it, but we do not have to fear it. Because of this confidence that we have. You see, the life of Christ in us and the fear of sin and death has no power over us. I heard it uh, once said, when my fear of the power of sin is greater than my confidence in the grace of God, I will hide who I am. And, you know, John, he is not talking here about hiding who we are. He's talking about shining the light of Christ out there and about being 
a reflection of Christ so that others can see it and so they can come out of hiding. Verse 13 is a message I think that we need to carry with us. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you may know. That sounds like confidence to me, that you have eternal life. So what that's saying is, if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, then you have no doubt about where you are headed for eternity once your life on this earth is over. There's not a 50-50 chance. It's a 100% guarantee. And you know, Christ doesn't want us to live in this fear that we may not make it into heaven because if, if we do that, it goes against this assurance and the price that he paid for us on the cross of Calvary. The victory that he won for us in the resurrection. I mean, Pentecost Sunday, you know, is all about the Holy Spirit helping us, supporting us, encouraging us to live in the assurance and help us when those attacks and those other things, uh, thoughts and other things try to invade us. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it more, what? Abundantly. I came so that you, you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly, Jesus said. I mean, that they there is talking about you and I as believers. He came so that we can live with spiritual confidence in this life and be sure of our eternal life when we pass from this earth. Can you say that today, that, that you are living with that assurance? If not, I hope that you will start because, you know, when we live with that, it changes our perspective on really everything. And it, it changes how we even live our lives now in this world. It's not an arrogant confidence, but it's a humble boldness that we have to approach the throne of God without any fear or reservations. There's one other type of confidence that John is talking about here as well. He's teaching that when we come to the Lord in prayer, when we pray, we do it often when we come together in worship, but we do it, I hope, often when we are alone or by ourselves or with our families. But he's teaching us that, that when we come to the Lord in prayer, we need to do it in a way that says, I believe that you hear me, Lord. And I believe that you will act according to your will. In verses 14 and 15, um, that is really at the core of what he is writing. He says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, 
We know that we have what we asked of him. That reminds me of the verse in Romans 8, 26 that says that if we don't know what to pray for, that the Holy Spirit will intercede for us in accordance with God's will. But this word confidence is, is one that John uh, uses a lot in his writings, especially in his gospel, uh, the gospel of John. It's a Greek word that is pronounced parasia in the Greek New Testament. And uh, the root of that word actually goes back to the rise of democracy in ancient Greece, where you know, it was said that every citizen had the freedom of speech or uh, a confidence to say what was on their mind without having to fear uh, reprisal or retaliation. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? We've, we've heard a lot about free speech and, or lack of it in the news lately. And so John uses that word which can be translated as confidence or boldness as a way that followers of Jesus should go before God and go about our lives. We should be confident that God will hear us and that confidence allows us to ask for anything when we pray. Christians can come to God uninhibited full of assurance and freedom of speech. Now, it doesn't mean that we will always get <laughs> the exact answer we want, but God wants to hear what's on our hearts. And he will answer according to his will. Many Christians don't know why or don't know they have this privilege. They, they feel as... You know, they have to get everything right before they ask God for something. Or they feel like they have to be in the right setting. It has to be the right time. It has to be the right place. The right tone of voice. You know. But John says it doesn't matter when, where, and how. Or why. He says that a follower of Christ should be able to approach Jesus as someone that we have a close and personal relationship with. In other words, you know, you think of the way that a child runs into a parent or grandparent and just hops into their arms. That's a visual that we, we can see in our minds. I mean, that's the kind of... That's the kind of assurance and acceptance that God wants us to feel when we come to him in prayer. So I hope if, you know, if there's been anything holding you back, <clears throat> that you will receive this word uh, from God today that it is okay to come to him with whatever is on your mind. In fact, he knows what's on your mind already. So... You might as well talk to him about it. And you can talk to him as you work or do other things, you know, just as if a, a friend was there working alongside you. I mean, that's a, that's a great thing to think about, you know, being a Christian. We have a God that's relational. 
not a God that is distant. And that alone, I think, should give us the confidence we need to come to him. The sending of the Holy Spirit on, the, on Pentecost Sunday, I think, is a perfect example of that relationship. So as John continues on in verse 16, it's obvious that God wants us to bring others before him in prayer. Those who are lost in sin, those who are struggling, those who need to be saved from the powers of darkness. And you know, many times when we pray for people or for those people, we need to have a certain persistence in our prayers. I mean, just because we don't get an answer or we don't see a change in maybe a week's time, we shouldn't give up. Romans 12, 12 says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Colossians 4, 2 says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant. And we're told often in the New Testament to pray without ceasing. Pray without stopping. Is what that means. So, I don't know, maybe you've been praying for a friend. Maybe it's a family member that you've been praying for, a co-worker, or someone else for some time now. And your confidence is beginning to fade. Don't let it. Stay confident and persistent that God will move in his perfect timing. And, you know, we never know what God's plan is or, or what. God's timing will be. But his desire is that we would live in the confidence and boldness and persistence that he has granted to us as his children. So whatever it is that you've been praying about or whomever it is that you have been praying for, I hope that you will continue to talk to God and continue to trust in the Lord with an unshakable faith. Confident that Jesus hears you. And he will always be there for you. Can we believe that today? I hope so. I hope we can live that today. I know that we can and I hope that we will. So let's go before the Lord now in prayer and ask him to help us to live our lives with this kind of faith. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning and we thank you for the confidence that you have given us and the assurance of our salvation that we can know that we can come to you and that you will receive us. We can know that we are saved. We can know that our eternal life is secure in heaven, in you. Because we believe, because we trust in you, that is a key part of this, Lord. And help us to, to remember that the world is always going to try to lead us down other paths, promising that there are other things that we can place our trust in or physical things that we think will save us. Help us to realize, Lord, that nothing in this world is 100% that it will save us. Our faith is. And we can put our assurance and our faith in you. And so I pray that for each of us today, Lord, um, that you will be near to us, we, that we will allow your Holy Spirit to fill us with the 
wisdom and guidance and assurance that we need in this life as we face the many things that life throws at us. Pray for each one here today that we would be able to apply that to our lives and that we would make it real and live it out in our lives today. We pray and we ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen.